Nothing on the Bonnell Foundation's Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast should be considered medical advice. Medical advice can only come from your CF physician. Cystic fibrosis can be a devastating diagnosis, but living with the disease can bring positivity and a new appreciation for each day. From the Bonnell Foundation in Detroit, Michigan, it's the Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast, sponsored by Vertex Pharmaceutical. Here's your host, Laura Bonnell. Salt in My Soul was first a book by Mallory Smith. She died after a double lung transplant when she was 25 years old. So many people have read her book. I bought it years ago, but was never able to read it. I had a mental block. Lots of CF books are sitting on my shelf that I can't read. I'm living this CF life, and I'm raising not one, but two girls with cystic fibrosis. And I didn't think that I could handle any of these books, but I bought them, and as I said, they sat. So for whatever reason, after I listened to the podcast, Lost Women of Science, I heard the story of Dr. Dorothy Anderson, who discovered that cystic fibrosis existed. This was in the Lost Women of Science podcast. And I listened to that podcast series several times. I also heard author Bijal Trivedi quoted on that podcast, and she wrote Breath from Salt. I read her book, and we did a podcast together. So for whatever reason, it seemed time. That was like what gave me permission to keep going with my girls 27 and 24 years old to start reading, to delve into everything. I felt like the dam was broken, and now I could finally read all these books. So I saw the promotion from CFRI about the documentary coming out about Mallory Smith. I thought this would be really difficult for me to watch, but it was time. Instead of being sad and crying, I was inspired and empowered, not only by Mallory, but especially her mom, Diane. I felt an urgency to connect with her and phage therapy. I was familiar with it, but I had so much to learn and still do. After seeing the documentary and being so very moved, I emailed the producer that I would love to connect with Diane Shader-Smith, and she emailed me back pretty quickly after I reached out to that producer, Evan Paul. So in case you're not familiar with Mallory's story, she journaled the last few years of her life instructing her mother to share the stories and videos after her death, which Diane did in a book and then recently in this documentary that Will Battersby directed. So let's get to it, shall we? Welcome, Will Battersby, the director of the documentary Salt in My Soul, and Diane Shader-Smith, who is the mother of Mallory Smith. It's uh, great to see you both in person. It's wonderful. And, you know, Diane, I referred to you as my CF soulmate mom, right? Because when I was watching that documentary, I was instantly bonded and connected to you. Um, and, And I really was compelled to talk to you, as you know. I just felt like we were kindred spirits. Um, and a lot of it is because you don't mess around. You're a mom who gets things done. And I love that about you. So do you understand that? Do you feel the connection that I have for you and that other CF moms certainly have for you? A hundred percent. That's why I keep doing what I'm doing, because I can't bear to leave the community because there is nothing like a CF mom. And I don't even... I don't even understand how someone who loses a child with CF would think that they would have to leave the community. I mean, I understand Mallory has passed, but you are a part of the CF community forever. So what is that feeling? 
explain that to me. Well, it's a really interesting set of contradictory feelings that I have and impulses I have. So I have the impulse to pull aside every mom of a young child who says, oh, I don't want to think about this yet, to say, you have the gift that I didn't have, which is the gift of time. You have the gift that Mallory didn't have. And then I want to say to moms like you with older children, get your shit together and pay attention to what's happening in terms of the treatments that need to be brought to market. And there is a huge upward battle. So you can't ignore it. That said, I completely understand that CF moms are so busy taking care of their kids, they don't really have the bandwidth to be doing research or fundraising necessarily or learning about new treatments. So I spent the first 25 years of Mallory's life fighting to keep her alive and the last four years since she passed trying to keep other kids alive because that is what propels me forward. When you lose a child, you just want to curl up in a ball and die. Yeah, that's something I hope I never have to experience. Um, And I understand what you're saying. And we're going to talk further on just about what you're talking about is not forgetting, you know, um, people who don't have the triple combos and things like that. Exactly what you're talking about. And Will Battersby, you know, you're the director of Salt in My Soul. And I was so impressed that you showcased Mallory's strengths and also her vulnerability And also, you know, the toughness of Diane. And you really did make her shine in the film. Did it evolve that way for you? How did it all come about? Do things just take over once you start directing? Well, you know, I mean, I I got involved with the film because um, the other producer sent me a copy of the book and I read it in one sitting and knew, you know, this is an extraordinary story and from an extraordinary world. And as soon as I'd had my first conversation with Diane, I knew Diane had to be a character in the film. Diane fought me tooth and nail, um, you know, because of course she, you know, was saying, no, 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 this is about Mallory. This is not about me. But, you know, one of the kind of the beauty of adapting the book for film was, you know, we were able to expand it into the, the characters, you know, or in Mallory's life, her family, her friends, you know. And as you guys were saying, you know, CF mothers are an extraordinary group. Every single one of you, you know, that I've met today, I'm sure CF dads are great too, but there's something very special about CF mothers. And, you know, it was interesting. We sort of, the other producers and I had talked about this very much as sort of almost like a terms of endearment story, you know, so I knew that that relationship between Diane and Mallory was very special, very strong. And I lent very heavily into making sure we presented that. Um, and, you know, again, you know, it, it's obviously a very sad story, but Diane gives us some great comic relief in the film, um, <laughs> you know, which, you know, sometimes you have to laugh right when things get really bad. Um, sorry, Diane, I hope you don't mind my saying that. But um, yeah, so, you know, it was very early that I knew this would be about a set of characters, you know, in, in Mallory's orbit, you know, very much. I wanted Mallory to be the narrator of her own story. Um, but, you know, as you guys know, and it says in the film, you know, CF is very much a a community disease, right? It's not something you suffer from alone, hopefully, right? That, you know, it really does impact your friends and family a great deal. And I think that was very important to show. And this is your first experience with the cystic fibrosis community. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, I, I was a total novice coming into this. So how has it impacted you since you've done this? Um, hugely, you know, I mean, it, it learned an awful lot about cystic fibrosis, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm still a novice compared to all of you guys, um, you know, but it's also what's interesting about it. I think that it, 
you know, it's told me so many other things, you know, and I think that's um, one of the things we're seeing in the reception to the film is it's got so many things to show, right? That these kind of struggles with chronic illness, um, they can be real lessons, you know, they, they can be heartbreaking, but they can also be incredibly uplifting and, you know, give you massive insight. And, you know, one of the things when you release a film, you have to, you know, you feel press notes, you have to write a director's statement, um, you know, about why. And I, and I found myself writing about my own daughter, you know, she was 15 when I started making this film. And I, I think I realized that I was very much making it for her. You know, she doesn't have CF, um, but, um, you know, I, I think it was, you know, it was a way of me imparting some of the Mallory's lessons to her, you know, without having to have an awkward dad, daughter, you know, moment and, you know, saying, hey, you know, go, you know, express yourself, write something or make something or, you know, make a pot or, you know, and go out and live your life and, you know, embrace life and, you know, and all of those extraordinary qualities. You know, I mean, and it, you know, very much Mallory's story, but it's also that's so typical of kids with CF, right? I mean, it's amazing. You hear all these extraordinary things they're doing, right? And really kind of seizing their moment. So, yeah, I think it's, it's sort of, it's really opened me up in many ways. Um, I'm generally a very cynical, hard-edged person. Yes. But, you know, this film really <laughs> taught me to be very hopeful and, and loving and express my love and, you know, and see the, just the value in that. Thank you. And Diane, I wonder for you, it had this film, did it bring joy and sadness, like looking at all the video and bringing, you know, everything? I mean, I know it never goes away and you miss her every single day, but was it therapeutic at some level for you, your husband, your son? Yes. And I have to really go back to the beginning of the journey when I read Mallory's journals, which when I talk about Mallory's legacy in the beginning and why I'm fighting, I'm fighting a lot for antimicrobial resistance and phage therapy and studying novel treatments. But this journey started because Mallory wrote for 10 years and chronicled all the issues that children and young adults with CF deal with. And that has been just as much my mission. And when Richard Abadi, who's the producing partner who introduced Will to me, He's the one who arranged for the sale of the book to Random House, and he initially wanted to do a film. And I said, no, no, Mallory was a writer. It has to be her words. It never occurred to me that this could actually have an impact on film. So I spent a year putting the book together and then two years talking about the book. And what I still marvel at is Will made a two-minute trailer, and in two minutes, all of a sudden, the whole world seemed to know Mallory in a way that the book hadn't really been able to do. I reached a lot of audiences at colleges and medical schools and high schools and book clubs and luncheons, but it wasn't the same as a film because a film enables a family to sit around and watch it together, experience it, and then talk about it. Or whether it's you go to the theater and you experience it with strangers. And I think that the film became a, just a different expression of Mallory's life, her struggles, and the need for these treatments. So there's all these different pieces that have come together. And when Will and I first started working together, he was saying, I need all your archival. And it was hard to look at that. It was hard to look through it. But at the end of the day, it became the most unbelievable journey. And what I would say to every CF mom and every mom in general is document everything you can. I mean, don't not be present. That was one of the arguments Mark and I used to have is who's going to hold the camera because you're not as present. But you do want those moments. And it's different than a social media post. Look what I had for dinner last night. It's really 
about the more meaningful. Right. I mean, the fact that Mark interviewed Mallory in a vest back then, we weren't thinking about a film. We weren't thinking about Mallory dying. We were just thinking how cute this is and how adorable she is and how one day she'll love to look back. And I'm heartbroken that she never saw that footage. I understand. And, you know, that was the first thing that I actually thought of when Molly was diagnosed. Um, Molly was diagnosed first, and then we had Emily, and both the girls have CF. But instantly, I thought, I have to take pictures right at diagnosis, because I thought, she's going to die. I have to have all these pictures and videos. And um, so that was one of the first things that I did think was documentation and writing. I have journals like crazy. And um, so to the point where the girls are like, please not another photo. Or when they're in the hospital, they'll say, you can take a photo of me in the hospital bed, just my back, you know, like how about get a really artistic view, but not my face, you know, so they do get sick of it. But I also know that with CF, there is laughter, there is comedy. It is like, oh my gosh, could they poke me one more time? And there is like the goofy nurse or there is, there is humor and comedy in CF, right? I mean, you find that, Diane, as well? Oh, especially around the GI issues, because they're so mortifying and so difficult and probably the hardest part of the disease. And if you don't laugh at it, you 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 would just crumble, I think, from the embarrassment. And so there's a lot of humor, I know, within the community of the kids themselves. We try to make fun of some of the stuff, because if you don't, otherwise you would just be crying all the time. Right. And then when they get older and they have boyfriends, that's a oh, whole nother discussion. Yeah. As Mallory says, sex neckline. Oh my. <laughs> so Will, um, in regard to your own life and family, um, when you were doing Mallory's story, you did talk about it a little bit. And this is kind of what we were just talking about, but did it rub off to your daughter that everything isn't always bad or traumatic and that we can kind of get through things in life? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, 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 I think it rubbed off on my whole family, really. And I think, um, you know, everyone who worked on the film, you know, and it was an extraordinary moment to be working on this, right? It was during the lockdown, the COVID lockdown. And, you know, and we suddenly realized here we were, you know, editing a film with this community. I mean, you guys have known what these COVID protocols are of for decades, right? I mean, that's, you know, you've all, you know, we were like, oh, everyone's wearing a mask. Everyone has to stay six feet apart. And I think watching a family deal with that, right? And deal with loss and, you know, as you say, everything else, deal with life, right? And, and this is, you know, people growing up and just the, the regular stuff of growing up. Um, you know, I think it was incredibly moving to be working on that and watching that. And of course, I made my daughter sit and her friends, I should say, sit through rough cuts of the film. Um, you know, cause it's very important to me that young people watch this, you know, and, um, because I think there's a lot of amazing lessons that Mallory has to impart, right. That the CF community has to impart because it touches so many themes, right. And, and so many themes that we've been living through, right. Like mental health themes and depression and loneliness, anxiety, you know, as well as the chronic illness stuff, you know, and Mallory's life as well brought up all of, you know, all of the environmentalism and, um, yeah, it was it was very it was very sad at times. You know, the film still gets me every time I see it. But yeah, very um, really um, uplifting and sort of uh, just a kind of a great sort of teaching couple of years for us working on this together. Um, and also, I'll just say to what's really interesting about the film, I'll throw this back to Diane in the book from the film is every young woman specifically who I know 
including all of my daughter's friends who have watched the film. Like the film's accountant, he has a 16-year-old daughter and she watched the film. She immediately went to Amazon and bought the book, devoured the books. The same with my daughter, same with all of her friends. Um, so as much as everyone's watching the film, Diane, hopefully it also drives everybody back to read the book. I hope so, because honestly, the the film is fantastic and magnificent and captures a lot of her story. But there is so much that the film couldn't go into. And you hear this every time a book is adapted into a movie. They say, well, they didn't cover this. They didn't cover that. And what the biggest surprise to my community, which was refreshing to hear, was they said they were shocked at how different the book and the doc are. They expected to just see a regurgitation of the book. I'm like, well, how would that happen? I mean, she's not here. So, you know, I, I don't think anybody really knew what to expect, but I think the big surprise has been they're really, really different and they focus on different things and they raise different types of awareness and um, they serve different purposes. And yet at the same time, they're very complimentary because if you read the book, then you want to meet the girl. And if you see the film first, you think I want to hear more from her in terms of her words. So they are very much complimentary and hopefully drive attention to each other. And um, I should just say that we're donating 100% of all profits from the book and the film. So it's also worth supporting for that reason alone, because we're able to make a lot of grants, which hopefully will help. And all that video and all the writings that didn't get into the film, do you have plans for that? Or is that something personal that you're just going to hang on to as a family? Well, I thought that I was going to be hanging on to it as a family, but actually um, I've been approached about doing a young adult version that's younger and starts earlier. And so we're looking into that right now, actually. And then what I do is I give a lot of talks and I give a three-way talk with a doctor and a mom. And it's we call it the three perspective talk because in every healthcare setting, there's a patient, a parent, and a provider. And so in that talk, I talk for Mallory and I use words directly from her writings that are not in the book and not in the film. And people are like, wow, I just have so much material to work with. And I envision doing something with some form of her work for many years to come. Because the problem is I say, you know, it's time to stop talking. And yet I get rewarded for talking because people who respond overwhelmingly. I mean, the, the film has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And apparently that doesn't happen very often. And the book has been really well received in high schools and in medical schools and by moms. So it sort of seems to be touching a nerve in a good way for many different communities. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but when I went on Facebook initially prior to the film coming out, uh, Will, I'm not sure if you knew this, but there was a lot of negativity. Why as a CF mom, but I want to watch this, kill me, stuff like that. And I thought, why wouldn't you? I mean, and everybody's their own opinion. It's fine. But um, when I watched it, I was so pleasantly surprised. It was so empowering. It was, of course, so sad. It couldn't, you know, I mean, Mallory dies. Of course, we knew that before, you know, but you were so uplifting, Diane. It was so wonderful and refreshing to me. I came away again, like, I've got to meet this woman. Um you just inspired me so much. So I hope you're getting all of that great feedback from everywhere. Well, it's so interesting you say that because I'm on CF Mamas, I'm on a lot of chat rooms, and I only get the positive. I only get, you inspire me, keep going. Fabulous. And one of the things I did early on is I went to a company called Tactile Medical and to Vertex, and I said to both of them, 
our community uses your product, Afloves, which is amazing, uh, Trikafta, which is amazing. You need to make codes available for people to watch this film because we're all so busy paying for medications. And they both stepped up to the plate and made copies of the film available. And I think between the two of them, we gave out 2,500 codes. So that means 2,500 people in the CF community watched this film free of charge from these corporate sponsors who wanted to support the community. And so all I, I haven't seen the negative. There wasn't a lot. I was just kind of surprised. The one thing I did hear, I mean, I definitely hear and I heard, I'm afraid to watch. Yeah. I'm afraid to watch. But 90% of the people, right, say, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Right. You inspire me. What should I do? I actually read every single correspondence and I try to write back to everybody who reaches out. I've been talking today to a woman who is in a CF center that's not good and she doesn't think she's getting the help. And I have persuaded her to go to a different clinic. And she told me today she has her, she's going to a different clinic, which was a big move for her. And then I have moms say, I'm afraid of Trikafta because what I read and, or what about phage therapy? What can I do? Or what was Mallory's most important tip to a young mom, you know, a young patient? So I engage on a lot of levels, which is really my grief therapy. Yeah, I think it was fear probably from those couple of moms that expressed it yeah. on on Facebook. But if I can just jump in, I think, you know, this is the as the filmmaker, you know, nothing, none of that offends me at all. You know, I mean, I don't, I, I didn't set out to make, you know, the definitive film about cystic fibrosis or, you know, and then I think people, people are free to respond to art, whatever it is in their own way, you know, and I think that's people are living really hard journeys, right, in the CF world. Mm. It's a hard, hard journey. And, and if you don't want to watch the film, do not watch the film. But I would just say, but make sure you find your own way to tell your story, even if you're just telling it to your community, even if you're telling it privately, like in a journal, like even if you're keeping a video diary. By the way, Laura, I'm, this is a, to your kids. They should start recording videos of you in the hospital and doing what you do. Because the one thing I allowed Diane to make me take out of the film is an amazing video of Diane dancing in a hospital that Mallory recorded in secret. And I've got, I put it in down. It's like, no, that can't, that's not staying in the film. But so it's, it's fine. Like, but, but I think what I've seen is how powerful it is for people when they can share. And that can, you can share privately, right? You can share on your phone. You can share in a diary. You know, you can share in painting. You can share by doing a podcast, you know. And I think that's, it's so powerful, you know, and what you're all going through is so difficult that it is important to get that out somehow, you know, and however you do it. And it may not be via watching this film and that's, that's okay. No, but I think, and one of the things I shared with Diane too, was I hadn't read Mallory's book because I was too scared hmm. because I'm living it with my kids and I was scared and it was still sitting on the shelf in front of me and a bunch of CF books are, but your film empowered me so much and made made me now I'm ready now I can read every book like after that I was just like oh my gosh you know Mallory touched me so much Diane touched me so much this whole film I mean the trailer was fantastic I watched it over 10 times before I even watched the film um, so thank you for that both of you because it really it got me past my own fear of that um, reality and possibility but I also wanted to ask you both, is there, if it's possible, I don't know, maybe like picking, you know, which child is your favorite child, but is there a favorite part of the film? Is there something that you thought, wow, this is a great message or? Well, I can respond as a mom the moment. I mean, there's so many parts that I love. Every one of them is Mallory. 
But I think the one that just gets me every time is when Mallory says she didn't love her trip to Hawaii because she didn't get to hula dance. And then we see her hula <laughs> dancing. And the fact that that was just spontaneous and that didn't, you know, wasn't scripted or planned or we were not stage parents trying to get our kids into film. I mean, I have a lot of friends who do that. And that was like never. And actually, we were approached a lot about Mallory modeling. She's tall, thin, blonde, beautiful. And many times she were approached, I was like, absolutely not. That is not what her life is going to be about. That is a toxic environment. No offense, but I just did not want that for her. But when I see that moment, I think I say to Mark, how did you think to do that? How did you think to do that? But that was all him. And he's a big part of this story. Um, the one thing I, I wanted to add in that I think is important, and I say this when I give these talks, I say people want to see themselves in the books they read and in the films that they watch. And what is so interesting to me about this film and about Mallory's book is that, well, really about the film, I would say it's much more about the film, much more happens more with the film, which is people call me and they say, okay, I want to do a panel about phage therapy because this is the movie about phage therapy. And Gunner is the one who said to me, Diane, this is the film that's going to put AMR on the map and get people to understand. And then we watch the trailer again and see that unintentionally, Will didn't set out to make a trailer that was going to address AMR, but all of a sudden, wow. And then the environmentalists in my world, that's how we did this unbelievable environmental panel because they saw the environmental piece of Mallory's writing and her words and the way Will shot it so beautifully. And then I can't tell you how many things we're doing with the mental health community because of Mallory's diagnosis with depression at some point along the way. And then just recently, I, I just literally texted to Will this morning. And I'm like, okay, so now a number of people have said, you need to market this film to the community that's dealing with death, death with dignity, because nobody ever wants to face death or talk about death. And this gives you a way. And so basically... The pride that I feel in the film is that this is sort of a blank slate in terms of the emotional or um, issues that surface that you can use. You use the film as a backdrop to talk about whatever you want to talk about. And the list kind of goes on and on because then there's also all the stuff mm -hmm. with friends and how you treat your friends, what you revealed, the invisible illness. And then there's the sibling situation. You know, how does Micah feel? What was it like for him? And then there's the mother-daughter dynamic. And then as you're trying to become independent and you're becoming dependent as you get sicker, there's a thousand messages that we can talk about. And so for me, ultimately, that's why I'm so happy that this film came to be. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Even as far as the death part goes, we've been age appropriate with it. But when Emily was in kindergarten, she we had her talking to her classmates about CF and she would go into each classroom and say, I have CF and I'm going to die. And she was like, she thought that was the coolest thing, you know. But um, we've talked about your, you know, funerals and, and, and all of that. And, and that kind of leads me to what you were talking to about mental health with Mallory. And I wondered, because want, I want to get into phage therapy and everything. But first, did you notice her or understand the level of mental health that she was at? At that point, I sort of got from the film that maybe it revealed itself a little more in her writings. Yeah. So we were in the hospital her sophomore year when her health really took a turn for the worse. They took her off a clinical trial that was working. And I remember cornering, stalking her doctor and saying, Mallory is losing her mojo. We have to do something. And I was screaming and raging and hysterical. And I was like, oh. And um, at that point, I said, she identifies as an athlete. She was a three-sport varsity athlete. 
She played on the club team at Stanford and all of a sudden she can't do anything. And he said to me at the time, after I cornered him and said, come up with something, he said um, she should do yoga or Pilates. And he explained that that's a practice that you can do. It helps your body. It can be slow or aggressive and you can compare yourself to yourself and not, you know, you're not holding anybody up. And I remember going up to him after and saying to him after we, she started and it was, um, it was like a mind, she, Mallory wrote a whole piece about yoga and illness and it is unbelievable. And to your point about material that's not in the book, there's so much material that Mallory wrote that is so important. And at some point I will share it in some form, but I do think that I had an awareness of her mental struggles. I asked them to get her some help, but even that was just a little teeny window into it and the depth of her suffering is what i learned when i read what she wrote because she was just she was just probably trying to protect me as much as herself right that's very clear and do you feel like she passed in 2017 trikafta came out in 2019 do you feel any like damn we just missed that or is it just, it is what it is? I actually spoke to Vertex employees the day Trikafta was released and they were popping champagne and celebrating Mallory's book and they bought a copy for every employee. And I had to fight back tears. And I remember like, you know how you, you want to cry in your throat. You're like, right. And I remember thinking, this is so bittersweet. But at the end of the day, Mallory wasn't coming back. And by at least doing the book at that point and now the film, it allows me to live with her and talk about her in a way that makes her still feel present. Because what happens is memories fade. And that's why the documentation is so important because there are certain things. And I also have that weird random experience where I think, okay, is this what I read? Just did, is this memory? Is it something that I read in the journal? Is it something we lived in real life? Is it something that's in the book? Is it something that's in the film or is it something that somebody else recounted to me? So all of your memories and all of your feelings start to blur together. And that has been a really interesting thing. But yes, to that question, did we just miss it? We just missed it with Phage. We just missed it with Trikafta. She got taken off Adaloran. And even though that drug ultimately didn't come to market, it was incredibly helpful to her. So yes, I have a lot of distress over the timing of it. And what I say to young parents all the time is you are lucky. You have time jump into the fight. Don't turn your back and think, I don't want to deal with this because I'm not ready. And also what I say about, you know, to the difficulty, you want to know, you want to know what your child is thinking and the book and the film in different ways show you that you need to know what you're going to be coming up against so that you can be prepared for it. I was not prepared for it. I didn't know. And I just tried to do the no pity party. Let's have fun and make every day count. And Mallory was she signed on for that program and we had a lot of fun and we had a lot of fun at the end. And we do that too. No excuses, just go to school and we're not using CF as an excuse, you know? And I, I thought, oh my gosh, did I mess that up as well? But it does make them tougher to some extent, I guess. I don't know. We can't be perfect, but we do the best we can. I just have to respond to that point, which is really interesting. So I did the opposite. I turned her alarm off so she wouldn't go to school oh. because I wanted to her to sleep longer. And, you know, knowing she was up late doing treatment, she wrote in her journal, I can't believe my mom doesn't wake me up. Every other parent's forcing their kids to go to school. And Mallory just wanted to go to school. And I just wanted her to sleep in because she was in sports five days a week. I said, it's too long of a day to go all the way through school. And I prioritize sports and social over academic because I thought at the end of the day, 
who cares how educated she is if she doesn't have her life? Right. At the end of the day, the opposite. She went to Stanford. She got an amazing education and she didn't live. So it's so hard. Both my daughters, they keep journals. I think the one good thing from COVID is telehealth, right? Yeah. When both my girls lost their jobs during COVID, they could get on telehealth and they do therapy now that way. That's been something great that came out of COVID. And Will, I wanted to ask you, so I'm a former news reporter in Detroit here, and I always tell everyone, like I told my girls, like journaling, and I'm always telling parents, and I like your idea of turning the camera on a parent, <laughs> even though, you know, it'd be embarrassing, but um, <laughs> what do you have to say to other CF parents who you know, they aren't going to do a film with you. It's just not possible. All of us can't. Um, and we don't need to. But what advice do you have as far as journaling or if they want to do little videos or something like that? You know, it's, I've learned this phrase in, in making this film, uh, you know, memoir is medicine. You know, that, that idea of sharing story and or creating something from your story, you know, and that, that can take any form whatsoever, you know, and it doesn't have to be... Uh, you know, a major feature film documentary. You know, I think it it's really about, um, you know, taking a bit of time to allow yourself to feel what you're feeling, right? That's the other thing too, right? And, and Mallory, you know, she, she felt very deeply she didn't share it, right? And that's, you know, one of the things we say in the film and you see the regret that people around her had, you know, that she didn't share those things. And I think that, you know, an art is such a grand word. It doesn't have to be art, right? It can be TikTok videos, right? I know there are some amazing CF kids on TikTok, right? That do great stuff, right? I mean, you know, social media, this is one of the few communities that social media is probably really good for, right? Because of the isolation, right? They can express themselves and be in touch. You know, music, crochet, right? Someone was just telling me about this artist who crochets like constantly. And, you know, I don't think he has CF, but, you know, just find anything in your life that allows you to take stock, feel how you're feeling, right? And that can be happy. It doesn't always have to be sad, right? It can also be angry, right? And express it. And that can also, it can be a little bit easier, right? To share things that are a little bit external from you, right? Like if, if you've made something, it's easier to show someone that thing rather than necessarily telling them how you felt when you made that thing. You know, and I think that, again, I would just say, don't ever underestimate the power of what you guys are going through and have gone through, right? This is an incredibly profound thing that you guys are living, right? And I don't, you know, and I'm, I'm an outsider from the CF community, but I, I really do genuinely, I'm not just, you know, spouting the company line when I say I really, this community has something really valuable to teach the rest of the world, you know, and that's true, right? Because your experience is mm -hmm. an extraordinary experience, right? And deep. And so, you know, get that out of yourself. Don't, you know, don't let it sit inside. Just get it out in some way. Start crocheting, you know, whatever it is, you know. And, and that's sort of, you know, that I very much have kind of taken that from this film out into my family life and with my friends and, you know. Um, no, I think that's great advice. Um, and I did some crocheting that was... <laughs> Quite hilarious. Didn't turn out too great, but but it's we still saved it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want I want to just add on to one thing that when he says memoir is medicine, I think he got that for me because I do speak about that. And one of the things that I have learned in my travels for three years doing this all the time is that people in the CF community, to Will's point, yes, express yourself, get it out, but they also 
want their life to mean something. They know they're going to, it's going to be cut short. They know it, whether they say it or not, whether anybody acknowledges it or not. And they want to leave their mark. They want to know that their life meant something. And so they can crochet a blanket that will stay with their mom. They can take some photographs or make a TikTok video that will leave a legacy. So it is partly, I think we'll address the first half of it, which is get it out and feel it. And the second part of that is know that your life matters and document it in some way, whatever way that is means to you. And I don't think it really matters. I mean, if you ride horses for a living and then you document, you, you journal about how to take care of a horse or take care of your horse, the horse that you brought in, you might not, you know, that might outlive you or your dog that might outlive you, you know, all of those moments that we live where we, we want to feel that we've made a difference. I think that's a really important reason to do some sort of artistic endeavor or non-artistic endeavor if you don't feel particularly artistic. Right. But even making a music playlist, like Mallory's friends have her music playlist. She made a playlist and they, they listen to it and it's, it's a legacy and it's, you know, it's, it's a different form of leaving her mark. It's the music that she cared about. And that is beautiful. And I, I agree with that. The other thing I would say that makes me think about this when you're talking is the moms. I had such anxiety about after, you know, your girls grow up, everybody, oh, give away the baby clothes. <laughs> I couldn't physically do that. You could hold a gun to my head. And I had such like, I can't give away their clothes. I can't give away one thing that they had. I was so attached to it. So I ended up, well, I'm going to have to make a king size quilt out of it because oh. I can't throw it away. I don't know how to quilt. I can barely sew, but I did it for both of them. And then I threw away the rest and the scraps, but I've got... I want to see that. I want a picture That's of that. Amazing. Oh, I will. I will. That is amazing. That is a great idea. That's a great idea. But, oh, I had such anxiety. I still have like... I'm not a hoarder by any means, but I still have like little baby bikes that they, you know, so yeah, I've got to get past that. But I wanted to move on to like phage therapy because some of the non-CF community people that I know, and by the way, we were the recipients of watching it for free. So thanks to all those sponsors, because um, we did enjoy that benefit. Um, and people that watched it, in addition to being inspired, were like, if this doesn't get people talking about phage therapy, I don't know what will. So people, even not in the CF community, were really moved by that point as well. And I just wanted your thoughts from both of you, because um, I wanted more. I wanted to learn more by the end of the movie, uh, of the film, you know, about phage. And, and Diane, first, can you kind of tell us how it played into um, Mallory's health in the end? of her life? Well, Mark tried for a long time to get it. He didn't get it for her until it was too late. And it was interesting because the film was not meant to be about phage therapy, but it was meant to introduce it. And the really important thing to know about phage therapy, which I'm sure you know, and your friends outside of the community know, is that the AMR crisis is just spiraling out of control. And it's important for people not to think that phage therapy is the miracle treatment that it's going to cure everything, but that it's worthy of study. And in working with the Forbes reporter who did a really lovely piece about phage therapy and the use of Will's film to bring it to people's attention, she sort of forced me to articulate what it is I'm trying to share, what the messages are. And there's three messages. 
And that is phage therapy is absolutely worthy of study. We know it. We have anecdotal evidence and we need clinical trials. Number two, we need both compassionate use examples and cases and clinical trials. Clinical trials are going to take years and years and years. Compassionate use can be done immediately. And even though you might not save a life with it, you will learn something. For example, Mallory's case, they learned from the autopsy that the phages had reached their targets and they were starting to work. So that anecdotal case informs the next person who's receiving the treatment. And the third thing is that we need these treatments to be funded by the government, by nonprofits. We need to raise awareness and we need to raise money. So that's the important takeaway for me. And Will and I discussed a lot about how much to go into. And I think he made a really good decision to introduce it and to end with the cards that explains, because not only is it an important treatment for people to know about, it also takes you out of the sadness and grief you feel from Mallory dying at the end. And you realize, yes, she dies, but her life will move the needle because people will learn about this treatment. And so we, for no other reason than to introduce phage therapy, people should watch the film because they'll learn about the reason for it. But the truth is the film stands alone without it. And he could have ended it without the phage and it still would have been a beautiful film. So I just think he did a great job of connecting those dots and making it relevant with that final slide about, you know, researchers all over the world and taking it way beyond the CF community. CF community is critically important because we are going to provide the case studies for the clinical trials, but it's the use for people with prosthetics and hospital acquired infections and these different, you know, hip replacement surgeries, things that are happening that are leading to people needing crazy emergency treatment or else they'll die. And so that's why it's going to be easier to raise money for it if we take it out of the CF community, which is why I think, you know, Will made the decision to end the last slide the way he did, which was a genius thought, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing sounding thing, right, Phage? This, these naturally occurring organisms that will potentially track down superbugs in your system, right? That antibiotics will not touch, right? And, right. and I think, again, it, it, it speaks to... I mean, obviously, Mark Smith, he found Stephanie Strathy, you know, who had treated her husband, you know, and that, that wasn't a CF case. He just had a superbug off. They'd been to Egypt. Um, but again, you know, what Mallory's case did is it shows precisely, again, the CF community's experience, right, having this extraordinary relevance to the world because, you know, every single one of us in the next 50 years is going to be touched by superbugs, right? I mean, it, it is the health mm -hmm. crisis. You know, they're just saying, the pandemic has simply delayed us speaking about it, you know, and from what I've learned, I did not set out to make a film about phage, but it's been extraordinary how, you know, it's been picked up by the phage community because of course, I think they're just shocked that any film ever mentioned phage, right? But, you know, the phage is in conjunction with new antibiotics, right? And, and you know, that it's going to be that combination that's really going to help us battle these superbugs. And as Diane said, you know, I mean, Ben Chan at Yale was talking, you know, he does a lot of the compassionate use cases there. Um, and it, it's so essential that those are financed, right? Because CF is expensive, right? Being a patient is expensive, right? So then if you have this like final Hail Mary chance at, you know, curing your superbug, right? That some people can't afford it, even if it's $5,000, right? That's a huge amount of money for a lot of people. Right. Um, but Ben was saying that, you know, I think it's just this year they've saved five limbs from being amputated with using phage, right? It's incredible. People coming in with these terrible staph infections that nothing would touch for years 
And it was the next thing was literally amputation. And phage, you know, within a week or two had cleared up these infections. So the implications are, are extraordinary. This is, and I wrote this down because they didn't want to mess it up. So these are, it's drug resistance. It's like my daughter who has microbacterium obsessus. These are things that are resistant to bacteria. And these are the doctors that you've engaged, Diane, Dr. Ben Chan, who Will was just talking about at the Yale Phage Center and doing all this work. And I think the CF community is always so ahead of things. Even when COVID began, you know, we knew about clinical trials. We knew about vaccines. We knew we understood it. Masks, distancing. Right. Masks, everything. Um, and I think we really, you're, you're, I totally agree with you. You're on the right path. We need to raise awareness about this for everyone because like it was, you know, it's written on their page, that Yale Phage Center, that it will help people with cancer and it will help people with CF and so many others. I wanted you to talk about your efforts, Diane, as far as the donations. Is that that's going to the Yale Phage Center? Is that we're supporting research and trials and compassionate use, all of them at UC San Diego, at Yale, and we have done work with Mayo Clinic. And now there's Baylor. There's four centers in the United States that are doing phage work in addition to the researchers. And We've been approached to fund researchers because we do need basic science research. We do need a better understanding. And I learned something from Paul Turner. Paul Turner runs the Yale Center for Biology and Therapy. He explained to me that different centers have different approaches. That at UC San Diego, when we did our panel with them, they basically said on this huge panel with hundreds of people, hey, anybody want to come help us dig for phages? We're collecting a lot of phages. So they're taking the cast a wide net and bring them all in and catalog them and start the, the library process. Yale is saying, hey, we're going to pick a few. We're going to really learn a lot about them and we're going to do a deep dive. Is one approach better than the other? How do I know? I don't know. I do not know. And I do not claim to know, but I do always say over and over, it is worthy of further study. So we want to fund both. The other thing about what we're doing that I'm very proud of is that we don't spend any money I don't touch the money because I don't want to be any, I don't want to have my own foundation. And I run through a very established California community foundation. So hundred percent of the money that people donate goes to actual uh, work in this field. There's no, they're not, it's not paying for any parties. It's not paying for any galas or any signage or anything else. And I feel really good about the fact that I ask people, I hit them hard, especially in my community, because they've been hearing me do this for a long time. And I think people really want to support Mark because he found this treatment and he single-handedly made the had the idea to introduce it to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. And then we made the introductions between the CFF and Stephanie Strathy's group and then Yale. And along the way, I have been mouthing off nonstop with like a bullhorn. And I say it all the time, ask your centers, pressure them. Why isn't this happening? Where's the money? Why are we not funding this? And we have to do it. Now, Gunner, if Gunner were on this call, he would say, we can't just put all of our eggs in one basket. We can't just fund phage therapy. We also have to look for additional antibiotics. And that's where the Pasteurac comes into play. And I know that they're introducing this legislation to try to come up with different models. And the bottom line is there is a superbug crisis and we have to address it. And no one is harder hit than the CF community, period, end of story. No one. You could not find a community that needs these treatments more, whether it's Cepatia, Pseudomonas, the one that your daughter has that I can't pronounce and I don't want to butcher. There's MRSA. There are so many of these. And people will go out and it will go into their limb or it'll get into their lungs. Things will happen. 
But every single CF patient is going to deal with a superbug at some point or another. It's inevitable. So we have to be more vocal. And one of the reasons that I push so hard is I need support. I can't be a one-man show. I need everybody in the community to go out and raise money, pressure their centers, ask for this treatment, you know, and I know a lot of people wish I would go away, but I'm not. So, oh, I'm so glad you're not. And and I think one thing th- that I've learned along the way and I am so grateful for the reminder is you really do have to speak up and sometimes yell because just being polite, it doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't get you anywhere. Then they think you're nice. Right. Absolutely. And I wanted to pick up something you said at the beginning. So when you were talking to moms like myself who has older kids, so, you know, I'm advocating in Congress, you know, for this bipartisan thing. And yes, and it is wonderful. Thanks for the clapping. Um, But it is wonderful. But then since you made that statement, I'm thinking, wow, maybe I have to remember that there's so much more to do. Like I can't, you can't get lax in one area because yes, we're working on advocacy, but I wanted you to talk about that a little bit here before we wrap it up, because it is a reminder to the parents of older kids that just because we have one triple combination drug Mm -hmm. doesn't mean this is it. We still have 10% of the community doesn't help. It helps one of my daughters and not both. So we have still so far to go. Oh, yeah. And also there are some people that have had some side effects and can't take those drugs. But in any event, we have an opportunity to move the needle and we should not turn our back on this at all. And what I'm so excited, way more than the book, the film, I'm really excited about the fact that the film allows people to congregate and watch together. Not so much with COVID, but we still have done some screenings with people masked and distanced. But we are planning, we're working with Gunner now, we're trying to get in front of Congress with the film. And Maya, who's in the film, Mallory's friend Maya, She's at the State Department has a very high position. So we've introduced it to the State Department and we want to get in front of BARDA and the FDA. And so I hope that you'll help me and will as we try to use this film to make people aware of this urgent need. Absolutely. We're on board. And maybe we can, I don't know if shooting for May CF Awareness Month, um, we'll do anything. I'll talk to our legislators here, whatever you need. Absolutely. Um And as we're wrapping it up here, Will, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about as far as the film goes? Where can people see it if they haven't seen it yet? Uh, Yeah, the film's available on Apple, Amazon, Vudu, uh, Google Play, um, other kind of traditional consumer sites. Um, It's also on Canopy, the educational site. So for any educational institutions, uh, students can watch it there. Um, And then... Anyone who lives in a country where the film isn't on one of those platforms, we also have a a link on our website where people can rent a copy as well outside of those platforms. But you can find out everything on our website, which is uh, saltinmysoldoc.com. And we'll put all the information in our show notes as well. Thank you. One thing I wanted to say before you say your last words is that we had talked about Five Feet Apart and taking nothing away from that movie, but I said that this movie... This was, it's just night and day. It just, it's the real deal. It's real. It's real. Somebody just called me yesterday about showing that to their 12 year old. And I'm like, no, no, no. You've got to see salt in my soul. Like that is the truth about everything. So 
Bravo, both of you. It was extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you all. So in parting, I just want to say how lucky I feel to have had Will make this film because it could have gone in many different directions. There were a lot of angry parts, fighting with insurance companies. There was just a lot of negative things that could have come up. Anger, lack of funding for things. But Will chose to make a film about love and kindness and resilience. And I think he really did create a masterpiece. And by all accounts, I'm hearing amazing response to the film. And so we have plans to use this for a long time. So thank you, Will. And Laura, thank you for having us on the program. Because honestly, you know, it's like if the tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, did it make a noise? It's really hard to get attention for a small film. And so we rely on people like you to help us amplify the message. If I can just add to Laura, my thanks, you know, nothing, you know, it's, it's lovely to have 100% great reviews online, but nothing means more to myself. And I know Diane as, as well, that the film touches and Mallory's story touches other CF families. So, you know, we so appreciate your support. Thank you both. I'm thankful that CFRI promoted it and we all got to watch it. Um, I will keep talking about it and getting it out to as many people as we can, because I think it's really important, especially for moms. I just was so touched by it. I could go on and on about what it meant to me. So one more thing I want to say that's important. Sure. So one thing I wanted to share is that a mom in the CF community reached out and said that she's going to use the film as a fundraiser instead of doing a hike or a climb or a walk or a run. She's going to have her community, which is not the CF patients. It's the people who love her CF, you know, kids who donate money. And so we would like to do as many screenings and as many fundraisers as possible. So, Laura, I'm coming for you in Chicago. I mean, Chicago, Detroit, (laughs) going to Detroit. Will and I are coming for you because we want to do something in your community. Well, no pressure because we're we're doing this podcast and we're recording your answer, but I was thinking about it before we started. Would you like to speak at our event September 30th? You'll have to look at your calendar, yes, I know, but yes, I would yes, love. Yes, yes, yes. Come to Detroit. We will, will to go Detroit crazy. <laughs> I, I am. My, my aunt and uncle live in Detroit, so I, I don't need an excuse to visit. So there you go. Sold. Gives me two reasons. What date is it? I'm putting it in my calendar. September 30th. September 30th. Yep. It's a uh, Night of Hope celebration. So, all right. Well, that's a wrap, I would say. That's a wrap. Thank you. Thank you. The original music in this podcast is performed by Kevin Allen. It's not complicated. Who happens to have cystic fibrosis. We all got our worries and fears. I know what's got you frustrated. But loving you is so all right. This has been the Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast. For more information and to learn more about the Bonnell Foundation, check them out online at thebonnellfoundation.org. That's B-O-N-N-E-L-L foundation.org. This podcast was sponsored by Vertex Pharmaceutical, the science of possibility, and produced by Jagged Detroit Podcasts, 